Ladies and gentlemen, this is your places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Standby lights one and sound one. Camera speeding. Audio speeding. Lights and sound. Go. And action. Hello. Hi, guys. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Pretend World Drill People. I am Tyler. <laughs> Who... <laughs> I can't. I cannot with you. And I'm Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not crazy. I was tested. Uh, yeah. You need to so <laughs> who did you see? Dr. Spaceman from, oh, you haven't seen 30 Rock yet. Damn it. Never mind. No, but okay. That's a spoiler of a joke. Yeah, I gotta remember. it is. Sorry. <laughs> uh, welcome back, everybody, to... A brand new episode that we've been sitting on for, I think, about two or three weeks. A couple weeks, yeah. Like, so busy. Um, I just got back into town recently, and kind of, it feels weird getting back into, you know, working. I know, but you've had things. (laughs) You did your commercial, and then you got to be on a TV show, and that's exciting. Yeah, I I had this weird moment um, last week where I was on set with, one of my childhood idols uh, <laughs> from one of my favorite shows. Uh, I was working with Jared Padalecki for a day and uh, that just blew my mind. Um, it, it's still a very surreal and crazy experience, but I will be on an episode of Walker in the next, and I think by August, I'll probably okay. be uh, on TV next to a very tall, handsome, strapping young man. And then there's me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great and uh and and steph has some good news too that I think yeah i um i do i'm officially gonna be a working person again in in my chosen career field that's exciting Yay! i've got shows lined up from july until next june so theater's Dude. back y'all it's at least it's almost back so that's exciting um I, I feel like you got the best case scenario out of what could have happened with things oh like you're, sure you're lined up for a whole year yeah 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 oh sure. my god that's so I know. good it's actually the first time in my career that i've had back-to-back shows like this um which is what i was hoping for last year and then got derailed so hopefully um this is the whole new start we're just going to forget 2020 happened and we're moving on. <laughs> yeah, I think we should. None of our birthdays this year really count as a year ahead. We should just be whatever we turned last year. You just don't want to be 30 next year. That's not that's cheating. I don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> that's when people go rotten. <laughs> Men Excuse <especially>. you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm actually really excited to be 30. Because then I can tell some youngin. Mm-hmm. What, what's the Get generation? <laughs> like who's below us? Who's below? Because mo- you're millennial. Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Oh god, I already can't put up with them. <laughs> 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 only because only because I serve them beer, audience. Yeah. Somebody who was born in count? 2000 yeah. can now drink beer. Yeah, I think they straight. count. Isn't it like you're 97 right. to? Uh... Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. I don't know my <laughs> my generations. We're all just unique little snowflakes. Yeah, that's something. Um, <laughs> I read it on a card. Yeah. Uh, so who <laughs> we should probably get to? Yeah, I was gonna have. say the same thing. <laughs> um, it's clearly we're we're getting back into this. Um, so yeah, no, we have a great uh, guest today. Um, 
Emily Halpern. She's the other half of the Booksmart writing duo. So we interviewed her co-writer, um, Sarah Haskins, uh, right? Why did I yeah. just think that was wrong? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I just had like heart palpitations. Sarah, um, we love you. Yeah. In case you're listening to this. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Emily and is and Sarah work together all the time. And so we got to talk to Emily uh, a couple weeks ago and she kind of gave us her perspective on on writing Book Smart and some other um, things that she's done and and what it means to be a writer. Uh in the film industry. So without further ado, hi, Emily. Well, I'm uh, Emily Halpern and I'm a screenwriter and TV writer uh, living in LA, living in my house mostly for the past year and a half. <laughs> uh, if I seem crazy, it's because I haven't left my house in a year. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm a, a, a sometimes TV writer, sometimes screenwriter. Um, and I work with a partner, Sarah Haskins, who I know um, spoke with you earlier. Yes, she did a couple months ago. So we're excited to have the other half of the duo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll just contradict everything she said. Perfect. <laughs> you, you've a been the elusive one. Over a yes. yes. <laughs> so how how did you get started with with writing and and screenwriting? What was your uh, what's your origin story? I had always loved writing and always from, I don't know, since even high school sort of remember, just I, I love to do it. And maybe in the recesses of my brain wondered if I could make it a career. Um, never quite, my parents were both academic. So I think that route was less appealing just cause it felt so familiar. Um, and I don't know that I started to really seriously consider it as a career until college when I joined a humor magazine, The Lampoon, which they, they have a lot, obviously just like a, a lot of alumni come out here, have successful careers here. So it was really the first time I even saw that as a viable career path. And it also just seemed like a lot of the graduates went off and had a lot of fun, a lot of success. And um, so um, when I left college, I, I my plan was to move out to LA and just kind of see for a year or two. And if, if I got some traction, I'd ideally stay out here. And if not, I could you know, pursue another, another path. So when you say you've always kind of been into writing, did you start with, right? Like, I remember when I was a kid, I would write my own stories and things like that, but I would never think of it in a movie way. It was always in book format. Was it the same for you? Or were you kind of always drawn to the movies and TV as well? I was kind of always drawn to the movies and TV. Okay. And to be honest, like even still, the idea of writing a novel, like all, all those words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so hard yeah and I really have a lot of respect for it. <laughs> do that um uh I think maybe I'd thought I could teach I just made like I'd sort of gravitated to the humanities I I, I majored in English I studied I took a lot of English so it just it felt like a world where I was comfortable um but yeah don't know uh I don't think I ever really imagined myself as a novelist <laughs> Yeah, but it was kind of in college where I was like, oh, you can do this as a career. That seems really fun. And, and it felt something where I could both be writing and collaborating and not by myself all the time. It, it felt like a cool opportunity. So did it feel, uh, it, it's funny talking to different writers and those we've talked to before. Did you feel like you wanted to collaborate right off the bat or were you very protective of your stories, you know, 
I guess, from your teen years into college, like most of us are. Yeah, no, I certainly was. And that definitely took some um, getting used to it. Of course, now I write with a writing partner and it's where <laughs> you just become immediately comfortable with or less possessive and less precious about things, which I do think in the long run really just serves you in this industry that it's, it's everything. It winds up being collaborative. Oh, yeah. so the sooner you accept, <laughs> but no, I think we've also had the experience, not always, but, but enough that collaboration can just elevate the work and make it so much better. So you start to, to appreciate that. Um, but uh, I always like, even in high school, I was in theater. I really liked, um, I was kind of the theater kid and and so that there was always collaboration and and I loved working with other people. Um I also I was I I I had a job in my like late teens early 20s working as an assistant to the playwright David Mamet whom I adored and I was just a oh, massive wow. fan of his. Yeah, that was all that really informed a lot of a lot of it too and and that it was interesting though now that i talk about it because he's like the the example of somebody who does not compromise when it comes to <laughs> his own his own writing nor should he but you know it's like i you know i was his assistant on a few productions and like his word is law and it never changes and it and so that was an interesting introduction because i'm um I have not risen to the level where <laughs> what I write is anything anybody feels like can't be tampered with. Um, but uh, it was still that world I loved. And I mean, I, I say it jokingly and obviously he's like a, just an unbelievably, um, unbelievably good writer, but, but also in theater, it was, he was collaborating with actors. He had wonderful relationships with, with people in the theater. And I just really li always liked the space and the environment and learned a, a ton from him. How did you get that gig? I'm yeah. so curious. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I was a, I got a job as a, like a PA on one of his movies in, he lived at the time in, I think it was Newton or, but one of those towns outside Boston. And so he had an office in Harvard Square. And I remember I got a job as a PA, I think maybe just kind of cold calling or so, like I was interested. Um, but got to know him a little through that experience because it was a, this movie State in Maine they filmed in Manchester by the Sea and so he wrote and directed that so I I got to know him a little but he had a, a more long-term assistant then um, who I stayed in touch with and then he had an office in Cambridge that was like a stone's throw from where I was living in college and and when that assistant left he was briefly looking and I was able to apply and and, and work then and he did have a, a different full-time assistant I was more of like the day-to-day -day run errands kind of um person but but it worked out really nicely it was amazing it was an amazing job to have yeah that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually it, it was through, through him where that I got my first TV writing job. Like I came out with a lot of my lampoon friends and always intended to get into comedy. But the very first job I had was he moved out to, to California and, and created a show called the unit, which was a military drama on CBS mm -hmm. um, with Sean Ryan. And I was hired first as a writer's assistant on that show and then given a freelance and then promoted to, writer, which is not an unusual route, but it was, it was through David that I got that job in the first place. Um, huh. which again, was like an amazing learning experience. I loved every minute of it. Um, but well, maybe not every minute, but I, I loved it. <laughs> and, uh, but I think I always a little bit knew I had wanted to kind of move to comedy. Um, and again, like learn so much, but I remember it was about a year into it. I got 
I was getting calls from my agent, like NCIS is interested in you. And I was like, this, this is heading in the wrong direction. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, um, not to say that I wasn't grateful. I really, I, I was, but I, I was always kind of looking to, to move into lighter. Man, NCIS could have been an entirely different show if you had joined. <laughs> yeah, well, the unit was always like shooting down my ideas. Like oh. maybe this year Delta Force like happens upon a private girls' school, and they uh, they always had uh, interesting comedy ideas for the That's show. That's hilarious. Like, went nowhere. Um, what is it about? TV and film that draws you maybe more so than even theater because it's, I mean when I think of Mamet I think of all his theater work um, oh. but you know that's my realm of of work so absolutely how, yeah I think I, I mean to be honest a lot of it was just making a living that it's like I didn't quite know how to translate just working in theater and playwriting into um, into a job which I needed out of college, you know, and, um, you know, I was temping for a while and I had assistant work, but I felt like I was at least on kind of a path. I think I, it's a little bit where I fell out. I also liked TV and movies, but some of it was just practical. And I mean, TV and screenwriting already felt like a swing for me, like where I came from and, you know, and I was just more, it was such an unfamiliar world that I thought, well, at least if I can get a foot in the door, I could, I could make a living. Okay. And did this, uh, I mean, obviously with shows like, like Trophy Wife and all the, um, you know, other projects you've, you've worked on, were you kind of playing around with these ideas while you're doing, you know, the, these jobs trying to build your career? Did you have, I guess you probably didn't have time, but did you have a moment where you thought, okay, well, I'll write this down, keep it for later and put that in, you know, the, the schedule for our next project. Did you have any, anything like that while you're working these other jobs? Some definitely. And while okay. I was working, I was always like, I would be writing plays on the side and wrote spec scripts at the time. Spec scripts aren't so much now how you get a job, but at the time it was, you know, you write a spec for, script for a show you like, and, and if you can show it to the right person or the right agent that could, you know, get you uh, a job. So I was always working on them and, and, yeah. and asking people to read them at, hopefully the right, not annoying moment. <laughs> um, I don't know if I succeeded every time with that, but yeah, I was always kind of trying to, to write. Um, and, and I think it's funny, but to answer your other question too, that I, I, I was writing plays and I remember we, I, I went with, with Mamet to, he did a, a show in San Francisco and the, the theater there, they were very nice and offered to read something of mine and they did. And it just, that one didn't work out. So I think I was also just kind of trying different avenues and, and yeah. I got, got somewhere in TV mm -hmm. before I got, got anywhere else. Yeah. It seems like the, the spec, the idea of the spec, even for features in the last, you know, eight plus years that I've, you know, studied it and tried writing my own and selling my own, it just seems non-existent as a way to get in. Yeah. So like how, how do writers get in, um, outside of, you know, becoming a writing assistant, if you're in LA, say you're in another state, how do they find their way into that industry? Do they, I guess, do they have to move to New York and LA to, to make that happen or? It's interesting. I, I always, I, I think it's really helpful. I mean, mm. I don't think I could have, again, yes, it feels like a different time, but I, I got that <laughs> advice a lot was like, you really have to be in LA, maybe New York. And I actually, coming from the East Coast was really afraid of moving to LA. It just felt so foreign and weird. <laughs> I didn't like it. Um, um, but 
so I moved to New York and and was there less than a year just because I I really couldn't afford it. I was doing like temp jobs and 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 like editing jobs online, but I, I essentially had to do them 24 seven to even pay my rent. So I, I found myself in LA, but it wasn't for lack of trying to be in New York. <laughs> um, and I love LA now. It just, it took, it took a minute. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, for, I, I do think it's helpful being in LA. COVID obviously has made things very different, but I, I do think as, as life comes back online that the people you meet and interact with it, it, even now as sort of established writers, Sarah and I are constantly finding, like you have a good meeting with someone and maybe that job doesn't pan out, but three months later they call you for a different one. Like that, mm -hmm. there is really something to be said for just like the face-to-face -face interactions with people. Um, but it also feels so different. It, it feels like there are so many more resources and it, it tends to be just like original work that really gets out there, but it's, it's writing originals. I think obviously stuff online. I know a number of people who essentially started their careers on Twitter and, and got hired off that. I know. Um, and then people who just sort of make their own projects and, and put them up and get attention. It's like inevitably, maybe they then come out, but I think there, it's a different world in that you can kind of, whatever you create, you can get out there in the public and see what happens in a way that you couldn't when I was uh, looking for work first. <laughs> Did you, um, did you, or, or have you, or will you ever work um, in a, like, I've been rewatching 30 Rock a lot recently. Yeah. And so just the, the writer's room environment and things like that, working on, not even necessarily a sketch comedy show, but being a writer for one single series. Is that something that you've done or would be interested in doing? Or do you prefer kind of working on one piece and trying to get it sold and then moving on to something else um you mean have I been like in a in a writer's room on yeah. A show? yeah 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 I, I have and and um and really enjoyed it uh when I was doing it and, and it always kind of depends on the show you know like the unit was an amazing experience for me and I was brand new and I learned so much and then I I wrote I was in the room on um uh private practice which was Shonda oh, okay. Shonda Rhimes yeah. after yeah. Grey's Anatomy uh and I, I feel like I've worked for amazing people. I've learned a lot. I think it's interesting because Sarah and I were talking about it recently. We both now, you know, I was also in my twenties and, and no kids and could kind of, so if we work a late night and we're there till midnight, no big deal. And, and that happens a lot in TV. The hours are, can get really late, particularly in comedy rooms. I do think that's changing a little and people are starting to recognize that you don't need to punish your, your body <laughs> all the time <laughs> in order to write a good TV show. But, uh, and I'm definitely, I've always been a big, big fan of like the humane work hours. And I think it, it can, it doesn't always have to be um, quite so, so brutal, but I, I think that the schedule is a lot more demanding and, and, you know, I have a two-year-old daughter now and it's just like the it, my life has changed in a way that makes that, at least it would have to be a more careful decision. It would either have to be a show I really wanted to be a part of creatively or now with the platforms, there are a lot of, it used to be like, it was all on networks. So if you're on a, on a successful show, it's 20, 24 episodes in a season. It's just like a punishing schedule. But I think with some of the, the platforms you can do like a 10 episode season that makes it a little more, more doable. But a lot of the decision for me now, it's, 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 kind of practical and family type considerations. But um, 
we not too long ago spent a season on Blackish when we were uh, under an ABC deal, and that was wonderful. And I loved it, and I loved the people, and we really loved the show. So I think something like that, where it just felt like it was worth it for the time, um, could be great. And I also do, I get the sense that rooms and work will change a little. It's hard to say right now how much, but so many rooms have been working remotely throughout mm -hmm. the pandemic that I just, it kind of remains to be seen like what the in-person demands are gonna be going forward. And speaking of that, you said you've, you know, you've been in your house throughout this <laughs> pandemic working. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I can only write so much at my desk in the office. I need to go other yeah. places and get new. What, is there a place in or around your house, maybe outside or down the street that you go to kind of refresh your, yourself and get those creative juices flowing? I definitely did a lot of walking around the neighborhood and and absolutely have that where it's like I'll be stuck on something and staring at the screen and and it's basically like I'll find the answer anywhere but <laughs> so, so like often just taking a walk like I live in a walk very walkable neighborhood in, in Los Angeles and that's that's nice and um even like taking a shower or something just anything to kind of just free my brain um but it's funny and this is maybe more information than you want but um my husband and I and our daughter, like we ran into space issues like everybody else in COVID. And in, in particular, just my daughter with her age, like it's as the mom, very hard for me, like to extract myself. And I say this, like, I love my daughter more than anything, but what I would need to leave, it was very difficult. So I'm actually talking to you right now from what used to be our uh, outdoor storage shed, which we had renovated in COVID and like insulated. And now it's like a perfectly nice office, but it was, it, it reached a point after a few months where it was like, this is untenable. We need to just empty that space. <laughs> and so that's, uh, that's Sarah awesome. Sarah and I threw out. She's like, are you in the shed? I'm like, I'm in the shed. Let's zoom. I'm ready to go. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And little hands can't reach quite enough to get into the building. So it's like, I can sort of come out here in the early morning so that at least when I go to see her, it's, it's my, it's at a time that I have chosen to go to. That. Right. Yeah. And it's like, is she fine? If anytime my daughter interrupts me is not a problem, but yeah. it, 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 it is nice to have just a space to myself. So if that's appealing, <laughs> I, I think you it is. can work out of a shed. I was going to say, Tyler, I don't think there's room for a shed, really. No, I can build a small, uh, what do they call the, the outhouse? A small uh, yeah. laptop outhouse <laughs> in our garden. You know, what's funny, and I guess it shouldn't be a surprise, but when I started looking into it, discovered that a, a business that just like boomed during COVID was like prefab office spaces. We wound oh, yeah. up just renovating this space, but yes, I think it was, I was clearly not the only one who wanted another room. Uh, yeah, crazy times. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I'm going to write down that idea. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It was, it, it, I discovered some interesting things. There are, you can almost buy just a, a cube <laughs> like sits in your driveway that you can go work in. There's a lot of interesting options for prefab office spaces. Oh, I'm sure LA That's... looks crazy from a bird's eye view. <laughs> yeah, right. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I know you probably can't talk about what you're working on right now, but could you talk about like maybe some ideas you have or things that you really enjoy writing about? Like clearly it's comedy, but is there 
like Booksmart, in my opinion, was such a unique idea because it it is my was my experience, you know, as a high school kid, like not, you know, being a goody two shoes and all that kind of stuff. Like that's a very unique idea. Um, do you feel like you want to try to hit that more and more or do you have weird things that involve alien? Like what are some, what are some pinpoints that always kind of strike in your brain? Yeah, I do think, um, you know, trophy wife and, and, uh, book smart and a lot of like really kind of everything we've done is has women at its center is sort of something we just keep coming back to. And some of that is, it's what you just said. It is a little bit like we write something we know, we understand the perspective we feel like, and, you know, also had similar experiences in high school. And I, I do remember when Sarah and I, very, our very first talk about writing a movie like Booksmart before it even had its title was just feeling like we'd seen so many teen comedies and it was always the guys and the goal of the movie was always get laid. And we had just never seen anything that, that showed another side of it. So um, I think it, we didn't set out to do it intentionally, but a, we often write at least like the germ or the genesis of the idea has some tr something true to one of us, like Trophy Wife, Sarah probably told you, but was was sort of loosely based on her real real life and uh, Booksmart, we obviously both fully understood what it was to be an overachieving nerd in high school. Um, but I think, I think uh, that's less so than, yeah, like aliens. And we, we tend to feel comfortable like writing from a real place. And I think like comedy with heart and it sounds cheesy, but, but almost like to think that the comedy can come second. But if we tell like a real story about characters that you love and there's some, some real emotion behind it, and then you sort of pepper in the comedy that it, uh, I think, I think we don't, I remember when Trophy Wife was on it, it got some nice, some nice things people said about it was that it was like none of the characters in it seemed mean or, or evil. And, and that was a little bit the spirit of it. And I think the spirit of a lot of what we write is like, it's not mean, you know, it's just, it's people kind of doing their best and maybe, <laughs> maybe have like, have some, some things in common, but uh yeah, I feel like comedy with heart sounds cheesy, but it, it it's not far from what we I think would have loved. I mean, and, it's it's true though, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it's uh, I'd say it, it's definitely not cheesy. It can get cheesy if someone tries too hard. Yes, but, absolutely. There are but, there are good ways and 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 not so successful ways to do it, yeah. but. But yeah, like right now, you know, we're under a deal at um, CBS, so still working on on show ideas and 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 working on a, uh, I think I can safely say like family comedy idea, but in the same same spirit of just like comes from a real place and, uh, and would be, uh, yeah, excited to to, we'll see obviously what happens with this one, but yeah. When uh -oh. did Steph has okay? There we go. I do. I do. Have <laughs> you made the face. I didn't want to say been, anything. Yeah. Well, I. Uh, this might be a hard question to to answer, but I'm curious. Like, when did you know you were funny? When when did you figure? <laughs> like, funny. I know that's a weird question, that question, but like, I don't think of myself as being a funny person. Like, but yeah. I know that other people tell me that I'm funny. Yeah. But, like, I can't come up with stuff. Whereas, I don't know. When you're a comedy writer, you kind of have to know, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm filled with self-doubt. <laughs> so, I, 
I am, um, I mean, I could say something very self-deprecating, but no, I, I think it's, it's funny. I think, I, I actually think getting into the Lampoon was a moment for me where I, I felt, because the, that, at least when I was there, that you had to apply, you had to write a lot of comedy pieces. There were a lot of like, part of the whole process of getting in is not, it's not, nobody's really all that friendly to you. So I think it at least like I had gotten in just based on some writing samples and whether those people were the greatest judge could be debated, but it was like somebody else at least validating some of the comedy pieces that I'd written. And, and um, but I, I do kind of remember in like middle school, I was socially awkward, like always not just kind of nerdy on the fringes. And I, I know that I kind of, I was like class clown E, like never did anything too crazy, but I was always kind of making jokes, which like I now it's like almost like sad. Like I think it was a weird defense mechanism and I knew I wasn't popular and was just trying to like get some people to like me, but I would like make little jokes when I, and I think I thought I was just kind of like weird, <laughs> but I don't know. Now I can a little bit like revisionist history is like, oh, okay. I was always kind of funny and just, it expressed itself different ways. But that. isn't that, I think people who go into comedy, like you're always, it was like, yeah. of, course, of course I wasn't popular. I wouldn't be a comedy writer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's always hindsight. I, I, I would have to agree with that because I mean, Steph, you and you, I think you and I are weird in our, <laughs> own, yes. our own different ways. And like, as you said, looking back on it, I wore a blue felt zip up vest through all of eighth grade. <laughs> and I thought it was cool. <laughs> So <laughs> like looking back on it, you know, you, you can recognize that you had the, the comedic chops because you just felt comfortable being uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Right? Yeah, Is absolutely. That, yeah. So no, I, I think that's exactly right. Like how, how do you manage those ideas coming from that, that frame of mind? Are you somebody who goes for like a dry erase board, has multiples of them or, you know, write ideas on sticky notes, put them in your phone. Um, or do things come up in conversation that you try to save? Like how does your creative brain work to hang on to all these comedic bits that might come out? I do. I really like writing things down. Cause I also have had the experience of like, I'll think, oh, that's great. And then forget it later. And so I just, I, I have, I always have a little notebook with me just in case and can write little notes. And I still prefer that. Sometimes I'll write them in my phone, but if I, if I can, I like to just have something down on paper. Um, and a lot of it, like most of it winds up just nothing ever happens with it. But it, I, 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 particularly when we're focused on a specific idea, like working on a pitch or an outline for a movie or something, if I have a thought, I, I definitely write it down because, um, and then I can refer back to it. But yeah, I've got even like lying around my house notebooks with stuff that at this point I wouldn't even recognize and it's chicken scratch. But at some point I was like, this is worth writing down. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's, it served me well enough that, you know, rep, having things I can reference or something that, and also sometimes it's helpful. Like I'll think of something, think maybe it's a funny idea. And then the next morning, look at it and think maybe it's not so funny, but that's also useful just to, you know, see if I still think it's funny. In the mm -hmm. morning. <laughs> and since you work so much with Sarah, are, um, do you guys often kind of like exchange just even those little funny ideas that you had to see if they, if, you know, she has a, the same response that you did or can like, I'm so curious how you two can build on each other and, and yeah. that process. And it's interesting. Cause I've, I've at this point 
sort of interacted. We've been in touch with so many different writing partnerships and they all work differently. Mm. Um, Yes. And I think I will very often, particularly if it's like in the middle of a pitch or, or a movie or something, I'm often writing the ideas like to tell Sarah. So I'll, I'll be like, I'll pitch these 10 things to her and we'll discuss them. Um, And for us, just the way that we work and it's why like, actually in COVID, it wasn't so disruptive. I mean, we prefer to be in the same room together, but we couldn't obviously for a long time, but we tend to come up with ideas and work on outlines and the breaking of stories together. But then we do a lot of our writing separately. And the longer we've worked together, I think the the smoother the process is like, we kind of know each other's voices a little more, know each other's strengths and weaknesses. Like, I, I think it's just become, um, the more we do it. And we've also become so much less precious about our idea. Like I, I think I feel either of us can just pitch something. You don't like it. Great. We're moving on. Like there's no hurt feelings. There's none of, none of that. And, or the other one can, neither of us has any issue. Like when we feel strongly about being like, no, we got to try this joke. Um, the first draft of Booksmart, I remember, was something like 160 pages. <laughs> like, it was crazy. It was might have even been longer, but it was honestly because it was the very first thing we did together. And we were so new in our relationship that neither of us wanted to hurt the other one's feelings. So just kept saying, like, yeah, that's a good idea, too. Let's do this, too. That's a great idea. So, I, like, every idea we had was in that script. And it um, it was a big, it was a lot. And I think we don't, <laughs> we, we're not so polite to each other anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But every, everyone does work. I know writing teams who, who sit in front of the same screen and write the pages out together. And I think that just for our, the way we are and the way we work would, would never work for us. But um, I think it's also just not, it can be like, if you're not in a room all the time, it can be a business that feels kind of isolating and, and, and like what we just talked about, it's, it's, it's nice to have at least someone else to bounce ideas off of, to sort of be like, yeah, this is pretty good. Or I think this works just cause I do think, um, yeah, you can get very into the like self-doubt anxiety <laughs> places on your own or I can. <laughs> imposter syndrome starts to set in. And, yeah. Uh, this is I don't horrible. understand people who don't have imposter syndrome. I walk around <laughs> just with it's just all the time. Impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, am I filling up my gas like everybody else? I'm not yeah. sure, but yeah. I'm going to act like it's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and do you like, do you guys set a deadline, say like throughout COVID, maybe if you weren't working on a, a show or getting something set up, do you have a deadline each week or is it more so around, um, I know last year was completely different, but yeah. was there a flow to it where you said, okay, well, I'll send you my pages and whenever they get back with their critiques, they, they get back. Yeah, we we tend when we're on a specific project or a show, certainly like the deadlines are kind of there because you've got a you've got times you have to turn things in. And even like we're working on a feature right now where it's, you know, maybe there's not like a a specific date, but, you know, roughly when they're expecting material. And so we can kind of plan around that. I love deadlines. I find them really helpful. Um, But when we are just working on ideas or even or, or like a spec or something, we tend to set loose ones at least for ourselves and and it's both it's both like let's try to finish this whole thing within three months and in let's check in again in one week or we'll turn in our pages Tuesday and if it winds up being Wednesday it's not a big deal but it's just giving ourselves whatever structure we can Mm. COVID was obviously different and crazy and I, I think we were cutting each other and ourselves a lot of slack just because there was 
it was just not a traditional time and there was a lot going on and I think it needed some like emotional health day like you know it was just we're not so strict with ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know there's a pandemic, but we have to come up with a joke here. I think we, um, yeah, this was just a crazy year, but I I, I think we got through it. And also both of us found, um, and I'm also not pretending like we were also extraordinarily lucky. Um, But I think work wound up also being a welcome distraction for us Mm. throughout the year. Yeah. So do you feel like you guys were kind of able to stay on track for the most part, even though you was a pandemic or did you kind of have a lull for a while? Cause everybody was in a lull. <laughs> I mean, we mostly were, we were incredibly lucky in that we were under a deal at CBS. So that was sort of in place. So we weren't in a position where we were looking for work when the pandemic started, which was incredibly fortuitous. Um, as far as the actual, like we wrote two comedy scripts, uh, for CBS studios that didn't go this year and which was fine. And it, it, that's more, what happens more often than not, but this year was, was weird in that so little was picked up, I think mm. um, a lot because of COVID and a lot because even the pilots that were picked up last year, most of them hadn't shot. So it just felt like kind of a, a strange year, but, um, and I don't know if there were other jobs that we might've been up for and, didn't get or something, but just the fact that we had that going into COVID, I think was a, was a big comfort. Yeah. Is there, I mean, obviously we're, we're out of the LA element and I'm just reading whatever's on variety, but how is it handling this, this boom of, you know, productions getting back to work or is that having the same effect on, on your work right now? Or does it kind of feel like it, it has been for the last year and a half or so? It's interesting because we weren't in production on anything when COVID hit. So it didn't feel different for our day to day. And I know obviously a lot of people who were sort of in that position of like, are we going to be up in production and how do we do it? And I had a lot of friends navigating the world of sort of COVID productions. And um, we were just kind of naturally not a part of that because of where we were in the development stage of our work. Um, Yeah. And we are like this movie that we we're, doing a a revision on now is sort of tentatively set to shoot like December, January, and it's all coming together. And as always, like a million things can happen, but uh, I think that's feeling possible. (laughs) Like where, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, even a few months ago, it might not have have seemed that way, but it's, it's been nice, particularly because over like last, December, January, LA, things were so bad in LA. And so to sort of be in a position where at least here, it, it feels like I'm, I am hearing more and more from friends who are like back in production, back out, back doing stuff. So I'm hoping that'll be good for everybody for the industry. Yeah, I, I think it would. I, at least from what I've seen, you know, I, I'm on hold for a show right now that's supposed to shoot in September. And then, you know, we're working on two other TV shows to pitch. Yeah. But, you know, like you said, anything can happen between now and, and this fall. So, yeah. And that's honestly, just... no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, no, no. I'll just say it's like, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's anxiety inducing, but also like we're getting somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And that's winds up feeling true, even without 
COVID looming is like, things can always fall apart. Things can yeah. always, you know, I remember when I first came out here, some advice I got was like, have pursue 10 projects at the same time, if you can, because nine of them are going to fall through. And it always wow. felt overwhelmed. Like, that's just not how my brain works. Like I would always want to kind of focus on the one thing, but yeah. it really does wind up. I mean, you sort of find the right level for yourself, but it, 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 it was good advice too, because it's, it's as sure as something seems like in it, things can just fall apart for so many reasons that it's, it is generally a good idea to have not just all your eggs in one basket, but I've actually found that helpful also just because you don't get emotionally attached to just one thing yeah. that may or may not go forward. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's also like something. Having... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just saying, it's like sometimes easier said than done. And it's, you know, you're, there are times when, one job is the most number of jobs you can find, but, but, um, but there's always a lot of moving pieces. So I think just yeah. pursuing a, a number of things is, is generally a good idea. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite thing that you've written so far, or do you feel like it hasn't happened yet? I really, um, I, I love Booksmart. I yeah. just, I really love it. And I, it's an interesting thing to say because also, you know, that was an 11 year from script to screen journey and changed very significantly. And, and um, two other writers were brought on after us. And so the final product, like I felt very much retained our original idea and everything we loved about Booksmart, but it wasn't the, the draft that we'd written, but it still is my favorite mm -hmm. project. I think partly because Sarah and I, it was the first thing we wrote together. It meant a lot to us. It was, it was kind of semi-autobiographical, not really, but in the spirit of uh, kind of what we talked about. But um, it was it was kind of the first. We teamed up to write that. I had I was writing for private practice at the time, and she was working for current TV. But it was like it it just was meaningful, also in that it was us just being like, let's write something we'd want to see and see what happens and see. And it kind of put us on the map as screenwriters and just was. It, it's, it was a nice story. And I think we reached a point, you know, eight years later where we, we weren't even imagining that it was ever going to get made. And then to have it get made and that actually good example of how a lot, a lot of people came onto the project and were just additive every step of the way, like the final product, while not our original draft or any, and I think at some point we've written something like 10 successive drafts anyway. It's just like the, the final product was something we felt really good about. We were really proud of it. We were grateful to everyone who'd, who'd had their hands on it and made it, made it what it was. And so that just, it, I think that's been my favorite experience. So it's a big one to top. I mean, do you, 11 years is, is, uh, outside the normal realm of writing something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, you know, it's weird in features and you do hear a lot of stories about like, I, yeah, this took 10 years to make. And I think it's a, people say, and you know, it's like certain movies, like the Marvel movies are, are, are getting made, like it's hard to make any movie right now and it's, and the industry's changing. So there are always sort of challenges. I do think 11 years is a long time, <laughs> um, but that was actually a little bit what sent me and Sarah to TV initially was we had some success with Booksmart and got a few other features jobs and they all just kind of wound up like on shelves and places and with options running out. And, and I think we, we wanted some, firmer yeses and nos and deadlines and a little a little more um mm -hmm. and we 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 liked that pace of tv but 
I think we'll see this this other movie that we're working on like we we started writing it over COVID and you know we pitched on it we got the job just before COVID started writing it are now doing kind of a polish but they have a director and a cast and it's 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 tentatively set to to film in December and it's like fingers and toes crossed. And again, it's a, who knows. And I feel like I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop, but, but at least in this moment, it has been a relatively smooth process. So we'll, see. Awesome. we'll see. if it stays. How many drafts do you feel like you guys have gone through? Um, two so far. Oh, so okay. not, not crazy at yeah. all. And, and from our first to our second was a very significant rewrite. Like I would even say it's like been two page one, rewrites but mm. you know that was the process and i i think for, we're happy with where it is now so um we'll see but yeah compared to the whatever 20 we did for books <laughs> <laughs> like so uh, talking i, I want to go back to tv really quick i saw some of your credits include you know um good girls obviously blackish mm-hmm. yeah but i saw that you were labeled as a consulting producer now what was that uh job position like or how is it different compared to you know when you're show running or, or you know becoming the or not becoming but working as the head staff writer of a tv show how does yeah that it's funny a lot of the titles in tv are like dictated by the writers guild and have more to do with sort of where you are in the pecking order your hours mm-hmm. than anything else and consulting producer largely means it's like a part-time position so it it in that we were developing um a show and I was very pregnant on that on Good Girls uh and um it was actually my good friend Jenna Bands who had called us and asked if we were interested at the time and she sort of knew other things we were working on and so from the get-go it was going to be like a three or four days a week and and so that's where that title comes it's essentially like it I think if we were full-time I I don't I don't know for sure but we would have been co-EPs or something like that but it's um consulting often means um, it's kind of code for part-time. Interesting. Uh, but it's, it's interesting and it's a mixed bag because it, it was, it's always nice working for a friend and it was, and I loved working on that, that show and Jenna's just amazing. Um, but sometimes you can feel, you know, if you're coming in three days a week and everyone else is coming in five days a week, then when you show up on that Monday, you kind of miss two days and you mm. don't feel quite in the mix. Like it does, it, it's, a, it's a tricky thing where I think it worked out for us nicely. And it, 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 was, it was nice that it was somebody that we knew. I personally would have to think before like joining as a consulting producer on a show where I didn't know the people because it can sometimes create um, kind of a dynamic where you're either like asked to essentially be full time or maybe not asked to, but you'd sort of, if you're like me and you're kind of a type and wanted you feel like you wind up um, wanting to just be a part of things and contribute anyway that's i think it can also work out just fine and i've just heard of different experiences but the very long winded answer to your question is consulting producer often just means like you're a producer who's three or four days a week and producer does that give you more control over final script versus if you were just one of the show writers you have to kind of submit to get approval or what's the difference there? Not necessarily. It really winds up kind of being up to the showrunner and every show is different. And again, like producer is a level, it's per the writer's guild. You start at a staff writer, you do that for a year, you're automatically bumped to story editor, executive story editor, and then I believe it's co-producer and then you're in the world of producers. And like in theory, yes, you have more 
experience on a show, you can, you're more familiar with a lot of the processes and can do more, maybe you're in the editing more, you're on set more. And, and um, so you can absolutely be given more responsibility as a producer. And, and like when you see co-executive producers, executive producers, those are most often the people with like the most responsibility on the show, but it is ultimately a, to the showrunner and maybe okay. that entails more responsibility or not kind of depending on how the show is run. So many titles, so many jobs. Yeah. I know yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> comparing the Writers Guild to the uh, Actors' Equity and it's Ooh, yeah. not the same thing at all because <laughs> I couldn't imagine uh, actor, super actor, super, right. you know, like depending on how long you've worked and <laughs> yeah. that would get complicated very quickly. <laughs> no, and it's nothing I ever knew you know, yeah. sitting at home watching a TV show, it's just all these names and it seems like, why are there 15 producers and what do they all do? And it's usually just 15 comedy writers sitting around a table. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about, uh, I mean, obviously you're, you're a creator, you're creative, you love writing, coming up with different stories, really dynamic and genuine stories. Have you ever thought about, you know, directing an indie feature or, you know, just kind of going into your own direction for a year and a half, two years and see how it goes? Or if you've done that before, how did it go? We have. And I think like, um, and I have, and Sarah and I certainly like support each other's artistic endeavors, whether we do them together or, or apart. Um, a years ago, I directed a short with a friend that just to sort of try it out. And at the and Sarah and I actually were in a short that her husband directed. Like we've, we've done, at the time, I think it was mostly to, like I find being, I think I am a better writer the more experience I have directing and acting and just getting a sense of like putting myself in other positions. So I think in, in, it mostly was to just inform my career as a writer, but it was a good experience and I enjoyed it. I don't, we occasionally talk about directing. I think Sarah's expressed some interest in, in, in doing that. And um, I don't know, I, I think we're both are, and open to it. Should the right, should the right project come up? But I personally have not, I feel comfortable as a writer. Like I think I could see myself um, trying to do that for the right project, or maybe we'll write something and decide we'd really like to try to have more creative control over the whole thing from beginning to end. And mm -hmm. I could, I could totally see that happening. Um, yeah, I will see. Sometimes it's like, it's dictated by the project too. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, like the magic eight ball. Yeah. Take it, see what happens. Yeah. Maybe I'll try it out. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, I, oh God, Steph, you take it over. I just <laughs> had a brain fart. Good Lord. <laughs> Oh what are um, what are some things you like to do when it's not work related? What is what is makes you Emily outside of work? <laughs> uh, Emily outside of work is very into music. Um, it's something that I actually got a lot back into in um, COVID. Partly, I mean, I think partly because I had more time and was at home, but also, um, you know one of those like things that saves your sanity and soul at the same yeah. time. <laughs> um, but no, in high school, I like, I loved singing. I played some guitar and music for me, even like through in LA has always been that thing I want to get back to and do more of and kind of never did and kept putting off. So I don't, I don't mean to sound like, I feel like a cliche talking about it. and then COVID helped me reprioritize, but it, it is a little bit what happened. And I did, I've been doing a lot of music and guitar playing and some songwriting and, and really enjoying it. So um but definitely hoping to keep doing more of that now that like, even as yeah. life comes back on. Yeah. 
but yeah, also creative. And I mean, obviously a little different, but that's, that's uh, something I really enjoy. I feel like you have a niche that could to formulate comedy songwriting for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, I think I actually, when I first started doing it, I would like send some friends, um, some videos of like me just in, like in my house playing a song I wrote on guitar and a few of them would write back. Like I kept expecting this to be funny and then it ended. Because <laughs> uh, I do Aww. think, yeah, it's not quite on brand. I'll, I'll <laughs> sort of very earnest, heartfelt song. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so it's less you know uh i guess dimitri martin and more yes, just less, genuine music <laughs> more like um i dressed up one halloween as Emmylou harris she's like a nice. uh, oh wow. yeah a, an idol of mine but um yeah but it's been great i it's just like another another creative muscle to exercise and it's been a lot of that's fun. great yeah. What about and you then guys? of course you have to raise a child. So there's that that takes up. Yes. Also <laughs> raising a child. Yes. Just, just in seconds. <laughs> yeah. But it, it is, that's, it's also like even, even just leaving COVID, we've been working round the clock and it, and that's very normal or it starts to feel very normal, but it did. COVID really did. It's also just the age. My dad, like I was, you know, I was really lucky and had a lot of help, but she was a baby. And so it was just different. But now like my, she's a walking, talking, you know, child who I would, she, she didn't used to be able to say like, mommy, where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, and I just wouldn't want to, to leave her. It, it is, um, it is interesting that it, it, I do think you sort of reprioritize. And I think like right now I'm, I'm want to do whatever writing I can, even whatever music I can, but in a way that lets me like be with my family and see my daughter a lot and keep us a, a sane schedule. Uh, I, God bless you for being a parent <laughs> in, you know, the middle of COVID. I can't even imagine. You know, <laughs> you can't imagine in regular times. <laughs> no, that's why it scares me. <laughs> I will say it was, um, incredibly challenging in terms of our time. And there was like a very, very long stretch where we we had no help just because of of COVID fears we also live um with my mom so it was like a heightened heightened sense of just wanting uh, vulnerable people and wanting to be so there was a, a long stretch where I was working full-time and my husband was working full-time and we were just we would almost like the only time we saw each other was to hand off our daughter it was just like the <laughs> minutes were so it was that was a tough a tough stretch but I, I still appreciate how how lucky we were throughout but um I forget what I was actually just about to say but oh but just in terms of her age that it I have come to also think we were really lucky like she's now two and a half really like adorable age but also just she, she wasn't missing any school she's still too young to appreciate any of this she was just kind of with mommy and daddy all the time so it's like I, I do feel coming out of it also just uh, grateful that is the Parenting is always demanding, but it, yeah. it, it, it wasn't it, it, like, I don't think the psych psychologically COVID was difficult for her because she was. Well, crazy. and I, and I feel like she's also getting to that age where you're going to actually get to start using a lot of the things she says as <laughs> jump yes. off points. Yes. <laughs> That's definitely true. <laughs> oh, that was really funny. I got to write that down. <laughs> yeah. It's remarkable. The things she says are yeah. remarkable and very cute. I love it. <laughs> 
I too understand human children. <laughs> They're the same as dogs, right? This is crazy. Oh. You just have this little person that you love so much. You can't believe it. It's amazing. Yeah. See, that's, I think maybe we should split that into, or this next question into two parts then. Because we always ask, you know, what, if you have one, do you have a, a like a best uh, story or a worst story working in the, you know, chosen field you work in, say you're working in writer's room or you're, you're a showrunner. If you yeah. have a best or worst story you like to share, plus do you have a best or worst story through COVID <laughs> as, you know, oh. uh, essentially a, a working stay-at-home mom yeah. that you like to share as well. So it's up to you if you want to share both huh. or one or the other, but we usually ask the you know, the career uh, aimed version of okay. it first, and then we'll kind of see where it goes. Okay. Well, <laughs> I do think the best, I would probably still say Booksmart, which was a long, I don't mean all 11 years, but I mean sort of the process <laughs> from start to finish was satisfying. And it was, it was really nice to have it, have it work out the way that it did. Um, and meaningful just for the reasons I talked about, like just it having been the first thing we wrote and, and personal. Um, I mean, there are a lot of worse. There are also a lot of best, but there are a lot of worse. Um, the first thing that came to mind when you asked was, um, I'm debating saying the name of the show. I think I can, because it wasn't really anybody's fault, but it was on um, <laughs> private practice when uh, we had been working some late hours. And a lot of it was like, Shonda was always her time, you know, she had Grey's Anatomy, she had this, she was always developing shows. So her time was extremely precious and hard to get. And there was a day where for whatever reason, we like anticipated seeing her at 10 in the morning or something. And then it just kept, kept getting pushed later and later. And the reason I remembered is this was a time where my mom was out visiting me for like a weekend or that night. And so we were having a dinner that night. And it, I just remember it being like, we didn't have a lot of time together. I was aware, like my mom had come out to Los Angeles to see me and I was in the office all day, just like dying to leave that particular day, beginning at like 10 in the morning and just praying it would be an early night. And, um, and it wasn't, and it just kept getting later. And we just weren't doing anything else. We were in a position where like, we could not move forward until this issue had been decided. And I, I'm just giving this example, but it's, it's just like, this is something that happens in TV rooms going forward. We'll see how much, but so often, which is, you're just like, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. And you're just, and we're just waiting and waiting there all day. And like with each passing hour, I was feeling like I could have just come in now and had breakfast <laughs> with my mom. Like just, just like mentally was getting so frustrated and uh, we wound up staying all night, still waiting for just this issue to be weighed, weighed in on and canceled the dinner with my mom, didn't even get to see her and then never got the question answered and just went <gasps> home. So it was like, I think I got home at like 11.30 PM having done nothing all day and missed the whole day of seeing my mom. Oh, and I no. just, I don't remember if it was like she was leaving the next day or what, but it's funny because I've forgotten a lot of the details. It's not even that terrible a story. It's not that weird or unusual to like have to work a late night. And I'm sure everybody involved was doing their best. <laughs> but, but I remember it emotionally being yeah. really hard. And I think I was still pretty new to LA. It was like my mom didn't get out all that often. And I just remember that being hard. I think that's a great example for actually, I mean, like a lot of our listeners are not, it, um, 
in the arts in any way, you know, um, and uh, two of my brothers listen all the time and they keep telling me how much they didn't know. And I think one of the things that people really don't understand is when you work in the arts, um, because the scheduling is so different, that happens all the time. And it's yeah, not like it you can just take the day off. Like you don't have PTO, you don't have vacation, you know, days, all those kinds of things. And, um, uh, people don't understand that. Like you really do make a sacrifice sometimes when it yeah. comes to seeing family and doing things you love, um, outside of your work. Yeah. So absolutely, I feel that I, I do think, <laughs> no, and I know, I, I think that there are also a lot of people who don't, it's not, it's not always deliberate. I mean, there are, you know, right. it's, it's often not. And I think sometimes there are just things you can do nothing about. I do think it's a lot of why Sarah and I have like, if we can like to try and develop our own shows, because at least at the very least we get to sort of set our own hours or we can say, I'm going to go home and put my daughter to bed and then come back to work or, but you just have a little more agency. And again, it's, it's all like kind of easier said than done, but um but it was also actually why, like, for example, working on Good Girls with like Jenna, who I knew to be like a mom and good person, like we certainly weren't shirking our duties, but she was another yeah. person who, you know, was, um, I think yeah. you wind up wanting to work for and with people who have like their life priorities together, yeah. <laughs> or at least that align with your own. Yeah. You know, a bunch of uh, fresh writers who aren't married, don't have kids working for maybe a writer who is the same way, you know, just totally. Yeah. It's, it's going to be late, late nights and, and sacrificing dates and family time and things like that. I can't Completely. even imagine, you know, family coming out and yeah, like, hey, just it, wait at the hotel. No, exactly. <laughs> and so much of it is just where you are in your life and what, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, no, throughout my twenties and or people in like a show like Saturday Night Live or so I say, I think it's just, it's like, it's, kind of fun and it's the culture of it but um now that i'm like an old lady <laughs> I, just, yeah. I want to see my family and go to bed yep. seven o'clock yeah. i'm leaving yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um what is a piece of advice that you have that you would give to up-and-coming writers or just uh people who are interested in, in this field and, and, you know, could use a little insight. <laughs> I do. Um, I feel like to, uh, this sounds dumb, but um, like always keep writing. And I did get some of that advice. Kind of, it was like, I, I remember what I had finally written a spec script that I was really proud of and was like this, I could show to people. And, and I think, and, 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 a, a writer friend of mine said like, you know, have two or three more. It's just because it is that like, you don't want to be in the position of finally getting your script into the right person's hands. And then they ask for more material and you don't have any, you know? So it was, that was one thing that I, and it, 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 honestly, that advice is always helpful because of, again, it's just like, you never know, you might think it's going to be one idea. And then you, you pitch another one in the room that you had in the bathroom the week before. And that's the one they like, like, it's just, it's, it's sort of, you as much as you think you might predict which are the ideas people are going to respond to, it's not always, always the case. So um, it is that's just sort of always be working and writing on things. Um, and then I, this is, this is just my own experience, but the way I came up and working for Mammoth and working as an assistant, so much of it was about the people I met and the relationships. And so I think the more people you meet in the industry, um, just making those good relationships and whether they start out as friendships, however, however it um, 
it happens, but I, I feel like it can feel like this impenetrable industry to kind of break into. And then when you get into it, it feels tiny and you feel like you've heard everyone's name and whether you've worked with them or not. Um, and so I think meeting, um, meeting, interacting with as many people who might be able to like, if not read your stuff, but just point you in the right direction. Um, and the last, last piece of advice is I do remember somebody saying this and I, I'm like borrowing someone else's advice, but in a, um, it was like a writer's guild talk uh, that I went to, but he said, he was talking about how there's this, when people are sort of coming up, always this idea like, oh, if I could just get this in like Steven Spielberg's hands or Ryan Johnson's hands or like then that would work out so great for me. Um, but where really it's like, the more you can be aware of people who are at your level and stage and starting out, but maybe in parallel fields, like if you're an aspiring writer and you could hook up with an agent's assistant who was probably in that job because he wants to be an agent and prove himself, like that could be a really good person to develop a relationship with or get your stuff to, because maybe he uses your material as like his stepping stone into the next, or her, I'm just saying, it, but yeah. into the next, um, the next job. I thought that was just really good and perceptive advice to sort of like, you might just already be friends with the next, you know, yeah, big agent, totally. big producer, big director. So if you start working with people, you could, you can kind of rise up together was the idea. And I yeah. thought that was smart. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah. I totally agree with that, by the way. Yeah. That's, yeah. Stick with, stick with your friends, especially the ones who are working their butts off to train. Yeah. Perfect their craft, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And furthermore, do you have anything that you'd like us to promote um, or you'd like to vocally promote for this episode that you can talk about? Yeah. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> Boy. Um, it's funny. I should have, I should have planned like a private shed concert. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, not right now, but if, you know, fingers and toes crossed, all things go well with these movies, I'll, I'll like email you guys in a couple months and be like, hey, yes. mention please. Um, yeah, I would love to keep you posted, but thank you. Okay. Yes. And thank you so much for keeping in touch with us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this was a lot of fun. And Sarah did say lovely things about you. Oh, yes. yay. Yeah. yeah, we're really enjoying doing this. So it's always awesome to get new people all the time. And we're really happy that you were able to join us. So thank oh, you. I was thank thrilled. You. And I only gave you the first two letters of my email. But oh, that's right. Actually, and we need the it. rest of them. Um, well, no, because we can get all your info from you. Get us your Sarah hasn't even gotten hers yet because we still haven't gotten her email um, okay, great. address. But you guys are going to get cards and stickers and all. Those oh things. my goodness! So, oh, exciting. yeah. Um, but we'll, my daughter's going to take all my stickers. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll send an extra one. To we'll send an extra. Yeah. yeah. This is a, a total pleasure and I would love to stay in touch. Okay, absolutely. We will we will definitely be checking in with you guys for sure. So perfect. Yeah. All right. Good. And Thanks. now it's so oh that's right. I have spiel. to do all of our spiel. I was yeah. like, we're done now. This is great. We're not done yet. We had a minute. <laughs> well, I guess that's right. We have to promote ourselves. Um 
Thank you again, listeners, for joining us. This has been a fun episode. Um, If you have not yet already, please subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We also could really use the ratings and the reviews. So if you have yet to do that, um, it would be really helpful um, for those. Uh, If you do give us a five-star rating um, uh, with a nice review, we'd be happy to send you a thank you sticker. Just email us at pwrp.pod at gmail.com to let us know and we will send you a a thank you thank you sticker um also please continue to follow us on all social media we are on facebook twitter and instagram at pwrp podcast and if you have extra dollars floating around and you'd like to support us uh you can go to our patreon page as well yes and if you'd like to be a part of this podcast whether you're somebody who is interested in starting their career in the arts or as you know somebody's been working in the arts for a while We'd love to have you on. So please email us at pwrp.pod at gmail.com. Our response time is no longer 90 seconds uh, because I think we're both working on a lot of stuff, Uh, but we will get back to you as soon as possible. It's weird how things change in a year. Uh, So yeah, thank you so much for listening. And Emily, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. Thank you. I'm not sure if Sarah told you, but at the end of each episode, we conduct an awkward goodbye led by the Wayne's World Countdown. Are you ready? (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right. In. Bye. (laughs) Do I do that now? Yes. Bye. (laughs) Perfect.